I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome back to the Lantern Rouge Cycling Podcast, supported by LaCole, here with Benji as always. Full stage five of the Vuelta Espana, the stage literally no one was asking for. Another pure sprint (laughs) stage. Whoever designed this first week, holy, like for a climber's race having this many pure sprint stages it's been it's been rough particularly stage two on the sunday i don't know how that went down anyway 185 k's pancake flat uh intermediate sprint with like 63 k's to go no one was watching then and everyone just kept talking about crosswinds which is like cope in my opinion, yes, they turn at 30 k's to go. They're on a highway the whole time today. It looked like UAE stage, honestly. And, um, yeah, there was supposed to be strong enough wind there, I guess. But typical break, Benji. Um, it's just that we've had every other sprint stage. Yeah, we've had uh, Asparan in the breakaway once again. Spoke about him a few days ago. Uh, he's that U23 time trial guy. Then we have uh, Polayo Sanchez, something like that. I'm talking this from my mind this time around. And uh, Lascano of Cajarural also in the breakaway. Of that breakaway, we had uh, Lascano hold on the longest. And, well, the gap to from the breakaway to the peloton was actually quite noticeable. You had two minutes with like 30k to go. Usually they try and keep it at like one minute, but this was all because of the nervousness going into those last 30 kilometers, like you mentioned. But hey, before that, at 50k to go, intermediate sprint, Philipson taking uh, more points than Demar there. So uh, a few people commented and asked how the point system works for the intermediate sprints. It's uh, 20 to 10 points scaled down from first to fifth in this race. So it's kind of like the Tour de France, but not as many people getting points, basically. And uh, yeah, Philipson and Demar took the uh, lowest two positions. So uh, I think like 13 and... And 10 or 11 and 10 points, something along the lines of that. But uh, that wouldn't give too much change in the uh, points classification because we know that the winner of today will likely hop over the other unless Jakobsen wins today and keeps the green. But hey, we were all waiting for the sprint. And uh, yeah, we can talk about the echelons as well. You know, the uh, one echelon that Cherny pulled. (laughs) Is it an echelon if it's just the same peloton and no one gets gapped? It's an attempt to an echelon. Okay, he attempted to create an echelon. There were no echelons created. It looked to me like he was just still doing his pace but just moved to the middle of the road and everyone (laughs) fanned out behind him. That's the thing. Even if the wind conditions are correct, if the strong teams who do have rulers just want to punch sprint, they're just going to really stay in front. I mean, it's not like Ineos didn't bring Rowe or Kwiatkowski. They've just got poor Dylan Van Baal doing a lot of that work at the moment. And yeah, Quickstep and Upperson weren't interested. I don't think and it was up to really Movistar. They got some decent rulers, but they weren't fast either. They saved their energy. Everyone stopped eventually about 12 Ks ago. Everyone decided, all right, it's going to be a bunch of sprint, chill out. Everyone's freewheeling. Yumbo move up the right-hand side. They go, move up the right-hand side, move up the left. It's going to be all calm, run to the finish. Peloton compresses, huge crash, like, Literally half the peloton, it looks like, goes down. I couldn't see 
what exactly happened, but I think it was Mads Vert Schmidt, Danish national chair, Mike Lipton's front wheel, uh, Kaha Rural guy's front uh, back wheel, and then it was just everyone went yeah, down. Is, was, that, uh, is that correct? Well, what I noticed is that you want, you have these riders that are trying to move up on the, up on the right side of the road with their team when uh, the peloton is leaning to the left side of the road. So Bora came up from the uh, right side of the road and decided to merge into the train at the front. And one of those wires merging in caused the Kaha rider to have to break a tiny bit. And that tiny break made the inattentive Matsport Schmidt right into the back. We love that rider. Yeah, I think you can't really blame the guy because these these crashes happen every single bloody day in cycling. So, But it's it's just noticeable how the, such a crash happens so swiftly and how it can take down a half a peloton like that. And the victims were uh, a lot. And one GC rider that is very notable, Roman Bardet, losing a significant amount of time today. I think four plus minutes, although I don't know it by heart, but he was coming in together at Nieve and a Bora rider that were the biggest uh, victims. But also, once again, the red jersey. Yeah, Rain Tarman went down two days in red, two days he's crashed neither of which were his his fault at all just a he didn't look banged up it just looked like he had a mechanical so he had to wait to get his bike and that's what held him up whereas Bardet look his physically looks very bad so we'll have to wait we haven't got the news yet he's obviously being checked now whether he abandons or not or continues but yeah Bardet very banged up Tarame not he was pulling strongly into Marche took a long time to drop any teammates back it seemed like they only yeah, dropped them back it's... with like six K, seven K to go. Yeah, but I've also got the feeling that he's not a GC rider, you know. So I don't know. I don't oh, think they have. Come on, it, it's what? it's Tarame in red, man. Come on, dude. Tarame in red tomorrow is bigger than Ricardo Minali coming eighth again in a sprint. That's true, but uh, <laughs> what do you mean? It's I don't think deal. They, I don't <laughs> think Anton Marchand is trained for this. <laughs> Maybe not. Well, they're not used to be in this position. Archie Grayson always anything to go by, but yeah, I mean, it, would, <laughs> it, it probably wouldn't have mattered anyway. To be honest, it's just he was riding on his own for qu- quite a while. Like it took a long time for them to drop yeah. back to him, uh, which I thought was surprising. Like Dan Grant to his jersey, leaders jerseys a fair bit, but uh, to be honest, it was so close to the finish. Everyone's it's like ten k's to go. They really weren't racing that hard. Everyone did pretty much put the brakes on because we saw Movistar had almost their whole team caught up. With Bala, I saw uh, for certain he yep. they got back very, very, very quickly. Uh, so obviously the pace wasn't on at the front, and then eventually, like they have to at some point start pacing at like five, six k's to go. Yeah, but Bahrain was the first team that team to do it for me, and I was like, why is Bahrain the first one to do it? I didn't get that. There's no reason for them to do it because Lander gets nervous and wants to stay at, front, at the front. Is the answer probably. That's that is the reason. Um, but then it was eventually you see this every since every sprint stage, everyone can pace as much as they want. At the end of the day, it's going to be Dylan Van Baal bringing Egan Bernal up one and two wheels over the three kilometer to go marker. He's done it so well. He did they did it well at UAE Tour as well, I think, uh, with Ghana. So yeah, Bernal always seems to be in front, except I guess Burgos where he crashed. Uh, but, yeah, just a shame to see Tarame basically losing the jersey, whatever yep. the outcome of this sprint. And Alperson, better lead out today. I thought they had their numbers and their riders all all together. It was De Koenig who like, – how would you rate the De Koenig lead out so far this tour, Benji? It's, it ain't no it ain't no Seneschal, Mirko, Lampard uh, sort of quality lead out to what we saw at the tour. I think it's been a bit 
average for Jakobsen, to be honest. Yeah, it's been a bit chaotic, to say the least. And it feels like Jakobsen has to do a lot alone. The stage when he had yesterday, he had to move up in the corner himself. It wasn't a rider that brought him to the front of the race. He had a rider bringing him to a position that he needed to be in to move up in the inside corner. But yeah, like compared to Merku, who would actually control basically the outcome of the entire race because a Merku would be near the front. And I feel like they spent journey a lot in those echelons and they kept on riding in, well, the echelon attempt, sorry. I keep calling it echelons, but it was a, was a single file peloton. And uh, we had uh, a lot of energy spent there. Perhaps he could have been more useful in the last few kilometers. Could have been an extra rider to keep the Koenig at the front. They tried to come up on one side of the peloton, but I feel like Alpacin just cut them off right on time for Alpacin to take a corner first. And that's how Philipson was basically like in second position, ideally in the last kilometer. And I'll let you lead the rest of it. Yeah, it's the same thing we've seen happening in previous stages. Philipson, yes, he is on the front a little bit early. He is, yeah. just like DeMar was the other day. But the problem for Fabio Jakobsen is he has in between him and Philipson and Van Leeberg, I didn't didn't bring him anywhere, to be honest, um, because I'm looking at the shot at 800 metres front on. Van Leeberg is yeah. not, not bringing him up. He's got Milano, Matthews, Dainese, all between him and Philipson. And the problem is when Philipson jumps, which is super, well, it's weird. The FDJ lead out, DeMar kind of got squeezed or everyone moved over onto Guarnieri's wheel and then DeMar was in no man's land again. Philipson switched on and switched off. Jakobsen's got those guys on Philipson's wheel. When Philipson jumps admittedly early, he swings to the left. He's got Dainese on his wheel. They, they let the wheel go just a little bit. They're never getting over him. So for Jakobsen to actually contest this, He's got to come around them and then move up, you know, five, six bike lengths in the wind. Not able to. Philipson holds on with a really, really long sprint. Impressive from him. And, yeah, Jakobsen comes second. It's I did say it was good to see these guys are going back and forth, each winning stages. Jakobsen yesterday, I think the Alpsen leadout was better today. I think it's better the best leadout in this race. FDJ, yeah, what did you see from DeMar, Benji? Because he's come 10th. Like it's it's not just oh he's close like at least yesterday he was close. What happened again today? I feel like whenever we see Demar this year, not last year, but this year, with a train and his train isn't able to bring him to a perfect position, he doesn't end near the front of a race. And perhaps this is because if the victory is not there, he's just not sprinting for it. If he's in eighth position. What, what's the point to spend energy on a, on a final sprint that you know you can't win if you're a sprinter like DeMar who has won stages in, in Grand Tours a lot. So uh, I think that's part of it. I think if he keeps on going, he could end 7th or 8th or something, but why would he care? And next to that, it feels like his train is falling apart in this version today. Now, I feel like there was another rider that used DeMar's train better than DeMar's train did himself. And that was Dainese. He followed the third rider ahead of Demar into a perfect position. He followed him when uh, you mentioned that one of the uh, Group Armor riders went out the front for a bit and the other two couldn't really follow with Demar because he was a bit behind. Well, Dainese jumped on that front rider and used that rider to get to the wheel of Philipson on the right side. And that's how Dainese is able to get into the perfect position before this sprint as well, finishing third on this one. So once again, a good sprint by him. 
Yeah, so obviously Alperson got it right this time. It was interesting to see how, I don't know, just how Philipson is so calm at switching on and off wheels at the moment and how everyone's, I guess, not got the snap before the final sprint to actually jump onto a wheel. And, yeah, the way he's surfing wheels at the moment, he's got a lot of confidence, Philipson, and I guess the difference in the Tour de France is there's not that opportunity. It was like quick step on front. You're sitting on cab, can't come over the top of him. Uh, before I read out the top 10, another word, uh, show partner, Lacole, who produced performance cycling apparel. They've just announced an extension to their deal with drops. Lacole, the uh, women's cycling team, which is hoping to move up to world tour level soon, extending that partnership until the end of 2023. If you want to use our discount code LRVUELTA20, that's LRVUELTA20, all caps, you can get 20% off all LaCole items, even if they're already discounted at www.lacole.cc. Uh, but otherwise, PNG is a top 10. Philipson, Jakobsen, Dainese, Milano, Allegert, Abrastri, Maus, Minali, Van Rensburg, Demar. No Michael Matthews. He's in the group. It came 25th. Not sure what happened. Maybe he got caught behind in the crash. Rain Tarame loses the jersey, unfortunately. And Kenny Alessandra takes it by default because he was in the break the other day. Um, who else was in the break with them? Dombrowski. Was, yeah. he, was he caught up in the crash as well? Like how... Yeah, Dombrowski was caught up in the crash. So Kenny Alessandra takes the Vuelta leaders jersey because he was in the break the other day. It's got he's got a five second gap on Roglic. That is going to be very difficult to keep uh, after tomorrow's stage, which is the first, especially the punchers pure sprint stage. It's 160 k's downhill and then pancake flat on the coast, and then they do a 2k 8.7 percent climb, the Alto de la Montaña de Cuyera. It is steep in about 500 meters in. It's 12% for 500 meters. 6%, 7% at the start, 12% for 500 meters, 9% for 500 meters, and 7%. It is screaming Roglic to me. And Pidcock, I had for the stage in the preview, I'm, I'm going away from Pidcock. I've lost faith, Benji, given he said he's been, yeah, he's been not on the bike too much. I'm going with Roglic and Bala, top three. I think Roglic is a good option, certainly. I think that. Pitcock is likely still going to try, I feel like it. Or don't you think that he's going to try? What's your take on that? Is he not going to try or is he not going to do well? He might try, but I don't think his legs will, you know. Like, even if he's on top, top form, you still probably take Roglic, like, as a favorite. So that little 2%, 3% that he might be off, uh, yeah, I got to go with Roglic. When it comes to water riders that I see doing decent here, I'm curious whether uh, Simmons will top five on this one. I don't know <laughs> no how way. good Simmons is on this on, on this finish. I want to know how good Simmons is on this finish. Ah, come on. No shot. Sure. Uh, I'm curious what Groschartner does on a finish like this. I find it difficult to believe that he can uh, beat Roglic on a finish like this, certainly, but also looking for a top five position. Like, he he's done decent on a finish like this back in uh Tudivar just after Molama, but Molama's not exactly the uh the best puncher in the world. So uh well actually, aren't they teammates? What am I saying? I'm probably <laughs> saying the wrong race, but anyway, I'll just continue talking. <laughs> Otherwise I could do well, I don't know. Ah Shackman? He's been pretty banged mm. up, Shackman. 
Um, he's like crashed a couple of times. I really, it, it, this stage shows, like we said it numerous times, Israel Startup Nation shouldn't have sent one of Martin Woods to the Tour de France and there would have been a big chance for this stage. Uh, like Martin beat Roglic in an uphill sprint last year. I'm, I'm very, very surprised that Thing neither is, of those two were sent. If you know that your name is Roglic and you see this finish, you're no way in hell going to put your team at the front. <laughs> Which bloody team is going to pace knowing that this finish fits Roglic? I don't know. That's that's the big question. Is why the talk- for Ramburu, I bet you. <laughs> why are we talking about the GC favourites when again has been you know as you mentioned, Jumbo Visma don't want the red jersey because to, you know at stage seven very difficult to control. It's 152 k's of medium mountain all day with a climb of nine k six percent in the first ten k's which has like steep sections at the beginning. Do they, with Roglic only on five seconds? Yeah. They're like, well, if we go there, Roglic is just going to have to sprint and he's going to beat Kenny. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> I don't know. That's a really good point, Benji. So maybe maybe we'll see a break. I don't know. It'd be, that'd be a pretty It looks just down. a weird parkour to have a breakaway win, but the team dynamics feel like I don't know if anybody's going to be interested to pace on a stage like this knowing the kind of competition they have, unless their name is Movistar and they still believe in Valverde on a finish like this. Movistar should pace. They should because, like, Valverde... <laughs> no, it's like when Alperson paced in the Tour de France on a sprint stage or sent a rider up to pace. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, you're not the favourite, but if you don't pace, you can't win. You only have yeah. so many stages that suit your riders. Valverde's maybe... It's all like, in the breakaway. Yeah, well, <laughs> maybe. I doubt it. But Valverde's got 10 15% chance of winning still decent like it's still an, you miss all the shots you don't take uh otherwise yeah chicane Rob standard no nah, too, too hard. hard too hard um i liked pitcock not advice knox didn't knox do well a flesh benji no knox will not do this Bagioli. doesn't have that punch what about andrea Bagioli? he's a bit of a dark horse he didn't climb yeah, but the other day the problem with Bagioli is that He's performed well across his career so far, but it's always been in the type of like flats or false flat uphill sprints and not necessarily the punchy climbs after a rougher parkour. Like, for example, Tourland last year, I think, wasn't there a stage where he uh, was relatively good at? I vaguely remember something like that. Yeah, he won the first stage. That's <laughs> the one I mean. Yeah. The one uh, just ahead of uh, Roglic on a finish that is. Not like this, but there was a hill and then a flat section to the line. And then this year, once again, Tour de Lain, I think the last stage, I recall him getting second in that, but that was more of an uh, offensive stage where they decided to attack each other, the one store one. So I don't know. Uh, I'd have to see it to believe it, to have Bajoli win this one, but I'd be curious to see it. I'd love to see uh, kind of a Van Sevenant move, but there's no way in hell I, <laughs> that, he's, that he's doing this. <laughs> yeah, I'd love yeah. it, but... That's Bahrain is interesting. Yeah. Like Bahrain, Tratnik, is it too hard? Haig is good at uh, sort of Liege flesh sometimes. So I don't know. They're I don't believe going, it. Yeah, they're going for Landa. I don't know. Probably will be a break when our hearts will be broken once again. But that's enough on this stage in the preview of tomorrow. We'll, uh, yeah, thoughts and uh, tears for Rain Tarame denied another day in the red jersey. And we'll see you with the recap of the stage tomorrow. Thanks for scoring the show. Ciao.